time we come into this world as a small baby to the time we live, leave this world, right? We don't want to be subject to anybody or anything for any reason. See how this works out. For any reason or for anything. And we want that absolute freedom. But I'm going to submit to you this morning that absolute total freedom is a fallacy. It's a facade. We're not going to find it. And if I ask you to raise your hand this morning and ask you if you were free, you'd say, yeah, I'm free. Or maybe you would say you're not. Or if I ask you if you believe that freedom was a possibility, you may raise your hand and say, yeah, that, that's a possibility. You hear a lot about that now, right? We hear a lot about freedom and liberty and rights and, and all these sort of things. But I'll tell you, it, it is a facade. It cannot and will not ever happen on this earth. And you say, why is that? Why is it a facade? Why, why can't it and why won't it happen on this earth? It's because of who we are as human beings, as a people, as a fallen person or a fallen human being. We tend to put ourselves first. We tend to put our own wants, desires first. And when that happens, I'm taking away somebody else's freedom or liberty. If I want what you got and I take it, I've just stepped on your freedom or your liberty at my expense. It is a desire situation of the heart that tells us it's impossible for us to ever be truly free in this world and in this life. So as we look at it, bear with me here, I'm still struggling. So Paul tells us to submit to the governing authorities. And as we looked at a couple weeks ago, why were we supposed to submit to governing authorities? We submit to governing authorities because they're appointed by God. And by submitting to the governing authorities, we're submitting to God. And so no matter how much you dislike whatever entity or whoever it is that's in charge of whatever, know that God, he was put there by God, by his hand. And so it's a respect and a, and, a, and a showing that you're going to submit to God by submitting to his authority. Now, if we fully submit to God, submitting to authorities shouldn't be a problem, right? Because God requires way more out of us than what people do. And you say, how is that? Well, we're told throughout the New Testament that not only should we not do certain things, but we shouldn't think certain ways. And if we submit to that, then submitting to a government should be rather easy. We have problems, as I said, submitting to governments. We have problems submitting to bosses. We have problems submitting to our co-workers. 
And we have problems submitting to spouses. How many arguments are caused, how many marital arguments are caused because no one's going to boss me? Right? It happens. It happens. And you may not mean for it to happen, but it's just our fallen nature. And that becomes so very problematic for our lives. This idea that I refuse to submit to anyone. So we all have those evil desires and intents that come up and restrict us, restrict our ability from truly being free. And as I said, the ultimate reasons found back in chapter 12, verse 3. Remember I'd say, see verse 3? That's the reason, this is, this is the very reason why we can't be free. As we go back to chapter 12, verse 3, and I'm not sure it's going to come back up, but I'll read it anyway. For by the grace, did not. John, see if you can jump to the next slide for me, please. Thank you. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has given So what is the ultimate reason we refuse to submit? Selfishness, arrogance, and pride. That's it. Those are the reasons we refuse to submit, whatever the case may be. And regardless of what your stance may be on whatever is going on around the world today, people's behavior has gone crazy. I mean, and it all comes from the inside out. It all comes from a sense of pride, and I'm going to refuse to submit. You say, well, what's the big deal with that? Well, I will tell you this. If we don't submit to each other and serve each other, whether it be our our spouses, our co-workers, our bosses, our government, it becomes nearly impossible for us to submit to God. You show me someone that will not submit to anyone else on this earth, I will show you someone that will not ultimately submit to God. Because it all comes from that same sense of pride. That same sense of, I don't have to do anything I don't want to do. And the problem with that is, as a child, we try to correct that, right? But there's a little bit of that... keeps hanging on and hanging on and when we get to an adult we tend to think well it's okay now I've reached adulthood kids shouldn't be able to do anything they want to but surely I should surely I should so we have to be extremely careful with that freedom takes selflessness and humility to fully work I'll repeat that. Freedom takes selflessness and humility to truly work. And as I said, because of that, I fully believe that it is impossible to truly be free in this life and in this world of which we find ourselves. Now, the Bible teaches us that we are free. The Bible teaches us that we are free in Christ. And and what does that mean? Well, we can look at it in a couple different ways. We are free in Christ and that he fulfilled the obligations and duties of the law that we don't have to. So in that sense, we are 100% free. 
He has set us free from those obligations and duties that were on us from the law. But yet, at the same time, what does it also look like being free in Christ? Are we free to do whatever we want or whatever our hearts desire? There are a group of those out there called antinomianists that believe that once you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you're free to do anything else in this world and it's all good. Anything that their heart desires. And the very word desire is what I want to key in on. Free to do anything that their heart desires. So they will say that you can sin just as much and act the same way before, the same way post-Christ as you could pre-Christ. I say that is not the case. We all know that the New Testament as well as the Bible says that we have to be changed, that there is a, a new creation in Christ, and we act and refrain from acting certain ways. So how do we deal with that? First Corinthians, John, can you give us that next slide? Six, nine. Paul, or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality. Next slide, please. Nor thieves, nor greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. First, I want to tell you that we all fit one of these categories, okay? We're all in one of these. But when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, then we become changed. And that's the key word. We become changed. New creation. We are righteous through God's eyes because of the blood of Jesus. But we are changed into a new creation. And we do not fit into these categories and cannot fit into these categories. Now, do we from time to time do some of these things? Sure we do. But we fight the battle and repent. These folks don't fight the battle, they don't repent, they don't, it does not matter to them at all to continue on with that lifestyle. Can you give me the next slide, John? So here we have, for instance, in Paul, and we went through this months ago, and he's talking about the situation. For I find it to be the law, to be a law that when I want to do right, evil's close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being. But I see in my members another law, war waging. Against, or waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. So here's Paul. He's a changed man. He wants to do what's right. He doesn't want to fit any of those categories that we just read. He's saved. He wants to do what's right, but what he finds himself in is the middle of a war. He finds himself in the middle of a war. And in that war, he, he sees that he fails. But he's in the war. He's fighting it every day. And he describes himself, Oh, wretched man that I am. And he asks a very important question, who will deliver me from this body of death? And it is will, it's not has, right? Who has delivered me, he doesn't say that. It's who will deliver me. And then he tells us, verse 25, 
Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ. That's the deliverer. So you say, well, we have this situation where we can't be truly free, but how about we take a group of Christians and we can set up a truly free society because we have changed hearts. Paul says that's not entirely correct. Now, granted, the society should be better, but that society will never be truly free because, oh, wretched man that I am, who will set me free from this body of death? Who will? Christ Jesus. Not in this life. Now, we've been given the power to overcome a lot of the sin that ensnares us. And we fight that battle and we win most, but we still lose some. And it is in that losing some that we take advantage of each other, right? It is in that losing some that I try to pay the, less, the least amount possible for whatever it is you're selling and you're trying to ask the highest amount possible for whatever it is you're trying to sell me. Right? I'm trying to cheat you in some way to pay less. And you're trying to cheat me in some way to pay more. That's the nature, right? That's what we do. Who doesn't like a good bargain? Yeah, we all do. Who doesn't want to get the most, highest dollar of everything you can out of what you're selling? It's not truly without greed, is it? Greed standing right in the middle of it. So we can't set up that true freedom because my freedom's overstepping your freedom and they're colliding and they're on a collision course and they can't coexist. But they will. They will. Christ will set up his kingdom and we see Christ ruling and you think of, of Christ as some wonderful king that sits high on the mountain ruling. No, he's not going to have to rule. You say, why is that? There's going to be no need for a government. Why is that? He's not going to have to punish the bad and, and help us out. We'll have new hearts. That's, that, that's the key of the whole thing. Whenever our hearts are pure and righteous and godly and holy, there's no need for a government. Because we want what's best for each other. I want to sell you what I've got at the cheapest possible price and you want to pay the most for it. Love is pure. Love is unimaginable. That's why Christ really at the end of this when we come back to earth and there's a new heaven and a new earth and he's setting up his kingdom, all we're going to do is enjoy him and he's going to enjoy us. There's going to be no need for a senate and a house of representatives or judges or prosecutors or whatever the case may be. None. Because that's a pure heart. That's a heart that's holy and pure and just and loves each other equally and fully in a way that I can't even imagine. Do you see the necessity for the government here in this life? on this earth I hope that you do because we are way far removed from that kingdom of heaven that I just spoke about even us as Christians are way far removed from that kingdom of heaven that I just spoke of 
So until that happens, until we are fully renewed and we have a new, totally pure heart, this is what Paul tells us. Submit to the governing authorities. Now there are people in the world today that are in North Korea and China and wherever it is, and you've got, John, will you pull up the Hebrews 10 verse for me? And you got all these people that are living under that, those regimes. And we've got this passage here. The writer of Hebrews tells us that we should not neglect meeting together. We have to go to church. That's what he's telling us. Now, there's a side rabbit that I'm not going to chase. People say they can stay home and get all they need. Well, there's a command here that says, you got to come to church. Like I said, not chasing that squirrel. But there are people in those countries under those regimes where it says, no, you can't meet together. What are they supposed to do? And yet we have Paul here in 13 saying, submit to the government. So we've got a command in Hebrews 10 and a command in Romans 13 that seem to be at odds with each other. John, will you jump to the next one, Acts 5? To give you a little background on this, Peter and the apostles were preaching and healing in the temple and they were arrested and they were saying, don't you do that anymore, don't bring up the name of Jesus, don't be preaching about this stuff anymore. In the middle of the night, the Lord opened the doors of the jail, let them all out and instructed them, go back to the temple and start preaching. Well, what do you think Peter did? He's like, mm, not supposed to do that. No. He goes right back and he starts preaching right again, right? So we know there are instances whenever situation's a little bit different whenever God wants us to do one thing and the government's telling us to do something else and we're going to get to that not getting to that this morning but we're going to get to that so we have to recognize the differences and understand those but sometimes we can take and mold things in the way we want them to look like right Sometimes it's like the old, for instance, that I've used so many times where it talks about we're going to be persecuted. Well, some people like to be difficult, right? Just kind of hateful, just kind of sour all the time. And so they use that as an excuse. I'm being persecuted as a Christian. No, you're not being persecuted as a Christian. You're being persecuted because you're grouchy, right? You're just, you're just hard to deal with and nobody likes being around you. So we take these actions with government and we mold them and we morph them into, well, the government's keeping me from doing what Peter was doing in the temple. No. We've got to be honest with ourselves here. And we have to recognize what the government is keeping us from doing and what they're not keeping us from doing as we go through these. And we will go through them, as I said, and look at these situations. But by and large, as I close... Paul does not address those last situations that I just talked about here. And why do you think that is? Why is it he just says, submit to the government because God's put them in place. When you submit to the government, you are honoring the government, you are honoring God, and you are doing what he has asked you to do. I've got a theory. I think that he only speaks of this and leaves out the other side. Because this is of utmost importance. 
It's way more difficult to do this in 13 than it is to stand up and beat your chest and say, nobody's going to tell me what to do. And whenever you stand up and beat your chest to say, nobody's going to tell me what to do, you run the risk of doing that before the face of God as well. That has eternal consequences. You stand up, you beat your chest, you say, God, I'm not going to listen to your word. I'm not going to obey your word. I'm not going to accept your son. All eternity depends on that. You do that, and you have damned yourself forevermore. What's the alternative by submitting to a regime that hurts you, that does bad things to you? That's temporal. Yeah, the government may make it rough on us, but it's passing, folks. There will be a time, as I said, and as we talked about, when this government won't exist and we will have a perfect government, we will have pure hearts, we will have the perfect king. So it is far more important, in my mind, to look at Romans 13 and understand why Paul wants us to have a submissive heart and understand that by having a submissive heart, we are submitting to God and we are honoring God in that. Otherwise, we only to submit to ourselves and we're only worried about honoring and glorifying ourselves. Amen? Let us pray. Most gracious God, Lord, we thank you for Paul's words. We thank you for this book of Romans and this 13th chapter is so appropriate in this day and time of which we live. Father God, help us to have humble hearts. Help us to exhibit humility with each other, with our friends, with our co-workers, with our bosses, with our, with our government, and most of all, with you. Father, we know that you resist the proud, but give grace to the humble. And we come before you, Father, knowing that you're in control of this world and acknowledging that you have put whatever leaders that are in power in that place. And we pray, Lord God, that you help us to fully understand your will during these difficult times that we live in and everything that we're going through. Let us not take our eyes off of you, but let us listen to the words of Paul and let us put them in the appropriate context. And we pray that you're glorified through it all. For it's in Christ's precious name we pray. Amen. It's all right.